Welcome back to the Raji Rabbit and Friends podcast. This one, a milestone edition. I interview DJ Jam. That's right, San Diego's own DJ Jam. He has been touring with Snoop Dogg since the beginning. He has been back when Dr. Dre was doing the Death Row days. I got to know him. First of all, as an up-and-coming DJ in the Midwest, watching the Up and Smoke Tour DVD was one of my favorite, still is, one of my favorite concert DVDs ever. And I always saw the DJ when they would cut to the DJ, uh, and I was like, wow, who's that guy? That guy is, you know, up there for all the sets, for every act. I was like, who, who is this guy? This is awesome. And uh, so years later, here I am in San Diego, and I've come to know DJ Jam and uh, to... Uh, work alongside him i'm so happy to uh be in this situation and uh, i didn't want to pry too much into the past and be a fanboy to him you know uh because uh, i do uh work with him and uh, i always wanted to know more and more of the story about how he got started well dj jam was kind enough to do an interview and uh so much so much respect to look up to this man and everything that he's done has been it's it's big it's awesome this is one of my coolest big interviews that i've done yet so sit back and enjoy from the death row records days all the way up to now dj jams interview on the Raji rabbit and friends podcast yo it's the Raji rabbit and friends podcast The Raji Rabbit and Friends podcast, a very, very special friend of mine right now, this edition, DJ Jam in the house. How's it going? What's up? What's up? Actually, I'm in your house and I appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, dude. So stoked on this. Uh, it's really cool because uh, when I was uh, just starting, well, I would not say just starting. I'd been DJing, but I was in... in um, I was just starting to think about, like, could I exist outside of Indiana? I'm from a small town in Indiana. One of my favorite, favorite things to do was just, you know, look up other DJs performing and to uh, and rappers. I used to try to produce some hip-hop and stuff. And I would, uh, I bought this, this DVD and it was the absolute, my favorite, favorite concert DVD ever. And it was the Up and Smoke Tour DVD. Like, I cannot, I probably watched it a million times. Now he, he's laughing because he's like, "This is normal to you," but the, but this is uh, this was amazing, and I always saw that they would cut to the DJ. They did it a lot in there, and so I really loved how they they showcased the DJ a bit in in the in the, in the editing of the the the, the movie. Right. So this was very cool, and I was always like, "Dude, I want to do that. I want to, you know, I want to do larger venues than my little hometown," right. and I wanted to to be that guy one day and I was like this guy's awesome you know and I and it's DJ Jam and I never thought that I'd be like uh, able to to work side by side with you so I'm very honored to, to work with you man how was it uh, we're gonna get into the up and smoke so we're gonna get into a bunch of stuff but dude thank you so much for doing the interview man oh man I mean thank you and all the help that you've been as far as you know me and uh, helping me understand certain things about this uh, equipment business and all that and it's good to have that that technical person next to you you know what I mean I can't do all this by myself definitely so I definitely appreciate that well it's good to be part of the team uh, it's uh, I my nerdiness paid off so all the all the the mouse clicks I've ever done in my lifetime it really paid off to really uh, work alongside you know somebody that you've looked up to for so long so uh up and smoke tour first of all let's talk about dr dre and just how you got involved in that next level stuff because I, I spoke with you on a random unrecorded conversation and you told me about some of the things you did in the beginning that set you apart from the other dj so can we kind of touch on that and how that kind of brought you up there yeah um well i guess back um you know, my early DJ days, I wanted to always wanted to do something different. And um, there was a guy in San Diego, a DJ by the name of Cool T, and uh, one of my mentors. And he used to use a drum machine when he DJed. So he'd be playing the song, and all of a sudden he would break it down into the drum machine and have beats programmed. And that just blew me away. And uh, so I would go, you know, and rock with him and watch him. And and I was kind of like the understudy. 
And then um, this piece of equipment came out called the Akai MPC-60. And it wasn't even out actually yet. It was just in at one of the stores here in San Diego called New World Audio. Never forget that. And um, I knew the owner because I was that DJ guy that used to always head to North County just to go to the store and mess with the, you know, <laughs> the turntables and all the drum machines and stuff. And then uh, one day I went up there and saw this Akai MPC-60 on display. And I started messing with it and saw how it was a sampler, kind of like a SP-1200, but longer samples. You know what I mean? Right. So that really caught my eye. I'm like, whoa, you can sample 30 seconds. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I had to have it. Basically, I got it. He hooked me up, basically, because he had to connect with Akai. So he basically sold me that one, and he got another one for the store type of thing. And um, that's kind of like, that was my weapon. Um, you know, when I DJed, I started off with the drum machine, no records. And I would program the late parts of the latest, hottest songs. Uh-huh. And I would put my beats over, you know, program kicks and all that stuff over the 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 beats the samples and then i would mix samples with one song hot song with the next hot song on the drum machine so i would blend them you know what i mean and all that and mix them up and stutter i mean all kind of crazy stuff and then i had my name dj jam you know from Uh teddy riley i had jam oh jam in there so i used to start with that and i used to drum at the beginning and people in the MC would be like you know telling everybody this is you know they used to call it the jam box and so people used to gather around to see what I was doing you know what I mean and and doing this and then I would have two acapellas on the turntable so I would let the beat rock and then I would switch the sequences to have different beats and all that rocking and all these were the hottest beats you know what I mean and then I would hit DJ jam along with it. Right. And then I would let it rock. And then I would come with the acapella and ride a verse. And while the verse was riding, I still switch up the beats. Uh-huh. And then after that verse and the hook, I go into this acapella. You know what I mean? Yeah. Switch up beats even more. Uh-huh. And then I would go into my set. And then like halfway through my set, I would break it down back to the machine again on a different set of song. You know what I mean? Program yeah. beats and throughout my set I would do that Wow! and basically um, I you know from San Diego this, I did all this and I moved to Los Angeles to go to Cal State Dominguez Hills transfer schools and they knew about me in LA because I did a club which they had bought down from LA called Jamaica House and they bought down their featured DJs in LA and they wanted a DJ to represent from San Diego and they contact the radio station. They told them to contact me, basically. So I was the representative for this Jamaica house when they bought it to San Diego. It blew up. Yeah. Big on colleges, San Diego State, big, you know what I mean, yeah. in Pacific Beach. And um, they saw me do my thing with that drum machine. Right. And right after I did it, they were like, yo, can you come to do this at our L.A., you know, Jamaica House L.A.? Yeah. And that's kind of how it started. So I would go back and do their club like on Tuesdays. And then down here was like Wednesdays or something like that. You know what I mean? So I would go back and forth every week. Um, And then actually I ended up moving up there to transfer. when I transferred schools to Cal State Dominguez. So I did that club. But when I was doing that club there, Jamaica House was like the biggest club. All the entertainers, actors went every week and they never advertised who was performing but somebody was performing every week Nas Run DMC Tupac would jump you know what I mean they didn't have to advertise all that but people knew Um, so doing that I met uh, Suge and Dre one night and basically Dre saw me do my thing with that and basically they came and asked me to go to dinner the next night wow because he wanted to talk to me basically so I went to dinner the next night and that's when he told me about um, he's about to start working on this project called The Chronic and he he needed a DJ and was I down and uh, yeah basically that's kind of how that happened and it's funny you said that what you were saying about me um, you know when you were upcoming as a DJ because I was the same way I was that kid from San Diego that 
these concerts came and you know one of the main concerts i'll never forget was nwa ice cube easy you know all of them and i was that dude in the audience like as far up to the front watching dr dre and saying one day i want to do that one day i want that's going to be me and look what happened dude you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can honestly say I was that kid. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it, never, that's why I'm like, never think things are too crazy to happen because you never know. You know right. what I mean? Like, you For never sure. know. Just keep your eyes on the prize, dude, and get, be good at what you do. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> awesome. See, this is really cool. Thank you so much. And and I, I think it's amazing. Uh, I didn't, I know that you told me in the in short conversation we had, this was at a loud club. So I, I, you know, you told me this and I'm just like, oh my gosh, cool story. It's so short, you know, it's just a little bit. So that was so cool to get some, the, the whole story there. Because I didn't know that that was in that era, the chronic era. Yeah. That's amazing. So when you, because when you said sugar and Dre, I was like, what? Yeah, this was so, the this was when Dre wow. Dre wasn't, hadn't been doing anything because he fell out with Eazy-E and Ruthless Records. So. Dre, that was when nobody, you know, Dre hadn't done anything for a while. So when he approached me, you know, and asked me to be his DJ, you know, I was like, you know, well, dang, okay, he's going to do this new project. He hasn't done anything in a while, but, you know, this is Dr. Dre. You know what I mean? So uh, my whole thing was like, yeah, I'll go do that. You know, if it doesn't work out, I'm, you know, still got school. You know what I mean? (laughs) I still have school. So yeah, it kind of worked out. So yeah, yeah. Wow. So how was it working with him in the early days? Because like I said, I've only you know got to really really watch you from being in a little small town Evansville, Indiana. You know, on that DVD. That DVD was my open world to 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 you. You know, and so how was it like in the early days? Um, I mean, it was like a lot of work. A lot of work, studio, studio, a lot of work. Um, partying at the same time is working, of course, as much yeah. as you could do at the studio. But um, just seeing all these talented people come together, um, whether if you're a musician or if you're a rapper, MC, um, just seeing how Dre orchestrated and put all those different personalities and egos and all that and and brought them together on an album to make something that was classic and not just because he had all these talented people but you also have to look at what was going on in society and that had a lot to do with um you know the success of the first chronic because of what had what was going on the oj simpson trial the riots and that's what basically the chronic the first chronic was about so yeah yeah Yeah. Wow, so you uh, have, uh, I guess, met Tupac? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's Death Row family. <laughs> so how, what's that like? I mean, how, I've never, I, I love Tupac, love, I had so, like, all of his stuff, you know, on CD and, and every tape, mm, I'm say CD, I was more of a CD guy, but, you know, I had some tapes, but they were like Ninja Turtles, I, it was, I was young when the tapes was out, you know? So, um, wow, that's, that's so awesome. Was he cool? Yeah, I mean, he was happy-go-lucky, um, workaholic. Um, that dude would come to the studio and have four studios going at once, have a different producer, Studio A, B, C, and D. And he would start at Studio A, listen to the beat for a minute, go right in the booth, no, not writing, and just spit three verses. And then he would go to the second, Studio B, Listen to the beat, go in the booth, boom. Studio C, same thing. Listen to the beat, go in there, boom. Studio D, same thing, boom. As soon as he's finished, he goes back to Studio A. Studio A, the dude would have up another beat by that time he got back to Studio, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he could do an album in one night. Wow, so that's why so much... So much, so much that's why so much music kept coming out after and people were like he's not dead he's still produ- you know making albums because he made an album in a night you know what I mean oh my like, god see that's yeah. that's dope see that's amazing I you know, and I always was wondering that too you know everybody is that uh, which is great it adds to the mystique I think that that was great to help the legend live on you know to to where you still have 
uh, you know, kids these days that are teens that still recognize that he was the best, you know, and um, and and it's because of the legends and things that, that happen that are, of course, you know, kind of get blown out of context, like someone saying that he's still around and stuff, but God, man, that's so awesome. So four studios and he was just creative like that, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like one take, too. Like, so before Jay-Z and, and Lil Wayne all did that, it was Pac. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Wow, that's that's awesome. That's a revelation to me. Never heard of that. That was great. And so uh, in that studio, uh, one of your closest closest friends, I would probably guess, I'm guesstimating here because um, he, I see him all on your wall. I know you've DJed for him quite a few times, uh, even, uh, you know, recently. So you're Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg, how how what's Snoop like in real life? Laid back, laid back, and, and a workaholic. I would say the whole crew um, are we have a certain work ethic, and I, I I would say Dre had something to do with that. Just to, you know how he worked, and I think it rubbed off on everybody. So you know Snoop is the same way. Um, he could work hard. He could be at the studio all day, all night. Um, you know, staying up all kind of hours to create a project and get and get it done. But um, and, and sometimes it's just not about working on an album. It's just working on music, period. So, you know, just let it happen, you know. But always, you know, we'd be on the road. We'd do a concert. Um, I'd do the after party, too. And then we'd be at a recording studio after that. You know what I mean? Wow. Like, so, dang, yeah. just putting so, it. So, yeah. And then we'd be in another city or country the next day you know wow wow so little time for sleep you gotta work right exactly <laughs> wow so that's amazing see the funny part like okay i uh in in uh my times where i've ever used uh marijuana it puts me to sleep <laughs> like uh like certain type. i got yeah I, I learned that coming to california but see i'm from indiana right, right. And we don't have good stuff out there, okay? Like, like we don't have good weed out there. So when I came out here to California, it blew my mind. My, my buddy, of, or former buddy of mine, he was like, uh, yo, everyone smokes here, dude. Do you want to hit the, you know, I was offered, you know, and I was like, I was like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It makes me sleepy. And he's like, no, dude, you got into, they were doing the whole working at uh, the grow places, you know, because it's legal here. So when they, they schooled me real quick on that. They were like, you got two kinds, indica, sativas, and blah, 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 blah. Dude, I didn't know that, but I always know that I got, I'm the worst person to smoke. I'm no good. I'll be like, Rods, you got to do this for me later, and I'll be over. Somewhere else, huh? Done, man. So, obviously, uh, he can hold his own. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) The whole crew can hold their own. The whole crew can. So, what about um, working with uh, some of the other uh, uh, people? Did they they interchange you with the acts? Like, say, did uh, uh, you have to go, like, work with, like... uh, uh, on on the dog pound and while like maybe like uh, other people were off doing other things how did they split you up how many DJs were involved as in the, their process because I know you know like how, how many DJs did they have well actually I mean when all this started I was the only one I DJed for everybody like the death row basically DJ um, you know because when when we performed it was always a Dr. Dre show, you know what I mean? Like when the first Chronic came out, it was a Dre. Nobody was doing any solo stuff. The Dog Pound, nobody knew Lady of Rage. Nobody knew all that. It was a, it was a Dr. Dre show. So I was that DJ, and Dre was the artist, and Dog Pound, Snoop, everybody else was featured. You know what I mean? Right. Featured. So I was that. I was since I was Dre's DJ. You know, like. Even if somebody else had a song on the Chronic album, I'm still behind the DJ booth. You right. know what I mean? Right. Uh, basically, it was just me until uh, I would say up until when Dre and Suge and the Death Row thing split up. Uh-huh. When that happened, I went, you know, Dre didn't tour anymore, and I went and DJed for, um, continued to DJ for Snoop. Um, and that still entailed the dog pound rage because then everybody was on Snoop Dogg's show 
right. you know it was all about Snoop Dogg then right. and then it was almost how Dre did but Snoop was the one in the forefront but since I was his DJ I DJed every for everybody because everybody came out during Snoop's concert right. you know what I mean was that was that a was that a tense time uh, for you because I mean when when people part ways and they are uh, you know everybody's cool everybody's friends you know and was that awkward to not pick a side you know like or to 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 maybe like never ever voice your 100% opinion I don't know if you maybe you did voice your opinions behind the scenes but you know and you don't have to tell them but uh, you know was it an awkward period of time well I mean the awkward was just seeing you know everybody not being together again basically Suge you know he it was the first time I really saw um, Crips and Bloods really working as a team you know what I mean yeah. um, Bloods on Suge's behalf and uh, Crips from Snoop's side you know so <clears throat> on the road basically we have both sides looking out you know what I mean for, for the crew um, and I saw how he did that, and I was—I thought that was really cool. Um, so when when the split up happened, it was just you know, dang, it wasn't as big of a movement, you know what I mean, as far as everybody like you know just mobbing out or whatever. But um, but you know, business step still kept going, and we still kept rocking and doing our shows. So um, you know. Snoop was featured on so many songs on the Chronic and then Doggy Style, so he had enough to to do his own shows, you know, yeah. featuring Dog Pound and everybody else. So it worked out. So how? Um, so let's take let's go a little bit past there. So we're 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 now moved into the Snoop era of your DJing. Um, how how was it like when you first? Uh, we're gonna stay in the same era. I was like when you first left the the U.S., man. Did you ever think that you would go to another country to DJ? I mean, this is this is awesome shit, you know. Yeah, no, I never, you know, I never thought I would be in other countries DJing. Um, so it was really, you know, above making money and making cool money. Uh, the thing that I got most out of the traveling is just being able to see new places and being able to see the world. Because that's something that nobody can ever take from you. You know, those experiences, meeting people. I learn a lot just about being a type of person I am. You know what I mean? Just because I've talked to different people. I've heard people talk from different points of view, from different religions. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I, I have a different understanding of the world and of out of you know of people just for my travels and that's something that's priceless to me wow that's awesome so uh your uh where was the first place that you went to outside of the u.s and wow can you remember i can't remember that one it happened that fast huh uh, uh, yeah i can't remember that okay so what was the first place that stood out to you that you were just like they do shit different here japan japan oh wow nice nice yeah Hopefully, I get to go visit there. My wife is going there. She's in the Navy. And uh, so, I hopefully will be going there. Right, She ends that sea tour and flying back with her. That's my goal. So, I'm going to try to do that. Yeah. So, Japan's cool? Yeah, a lot of gadgets, electronics, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's my thing. That's my thing. I'm going to love that. So, cool. So, Japan was the first one with culture shock. Like, this is awesome. What about, what do you think about the sizes, man? I mean, like, because you're, 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 uh, you are a healthy, um, skinny person, you know? I have, I, I get fat, man. I can get fat. I let myself go when I came to California. I'm down 30 pounds. I'm feeling great. But, but man, I mean, your size shirt. Is probably like Gigantor in uh, in uh, um, in Japan, because they say even like the small here is like a large there, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wear stuff real small over there. That is crazy. <laughs> it's hard to find our sizes. Man, so <laughs> nice. So, did you? Um, uh, how many artists did you reach out to when you were? Um, uh, or were you just too busy? Like, were, like, did you go to Japan and say, oh, man, who's a rapper in Japan? Or were you really not even, like, is too busy to focus on that? No, pretty much wherever we go, all the local artists, supposedly the best artists, um, come and meet up with us somewhere or the other at the concert, hotel, find out where we are, 
so we're always meeting the you know all the local you know the top local rappers and everywhere all over the world that's awesome so even as the you know you guys were huge and are huge but you know back then it's uh, death row we were talking about death row records and stuff so there was always somebody looking out for new talent i think these people need to know that listening to that so you do you think that that climate still exists today where people are still interested in in doing this or do you think that it's kind of become a little bit of a selfish game with the newer modern rappers you know that maybe you know like ringtone rap came out i mean do you think that these people are still also scouting for new people definitely they are because if you look at a lot of these artists that are coming out today you see who's somebody's mostly most of the time somebody's behind them most of the time well a lot of the times it's because they were at a concert in wherever alabama somewhere and that local artist came up to them and met them and gave them their demo and then all of a sudden they like a song or songs that they heard on the demo and then that artist that they gave it to will probably end up being feature, doing a feature on that song and signing the artist to him and then help push the artist because he jumped on the song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a, a very common thing. So keep approaching people or at least trying to get noticed if you're out there and you're coming up as an independent uh, whatever you are, right? Yeah. Just keep getting on, going on until you get noticed. Definitely, um, especially if you go to somebody who's already a figure, because that can help boost you faster than you just going out there yourself trying to get your own deal and nobody knows who you are. But all of a sudden, Snoop Dogg steps to you, and now Snoop Dogg just did a song for you for your album, and now everybody in the world knows who you are. So yeah. Snoop knows that, and they know it's about business and about the money. Yeah. So. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's very uh, inspiring. Keep doing your thing if you are out there and you're rapping or producing even, right? Yeah. yeah. Producing too. Always look. People are always looking for beats. Always looking for something that fits what's going on right now. And then they're also looking for the next. What's the next sound out there? So you could be one of those producers that fit one of those two categories either you're making music that sounds like what's going on right now or you're making music that you know people might not be into as much because it doesn't sound like it's you know what's out right now but it's a sleeper and all of a sudden people are going to be flocking to yours because yours is different you know what i mean so you know both types of producers can can definitely uh make it by doing that awesome awesome so have you ever performed in a place that was uncomfortable, like uh, maybe a super redneck version of, uh, you know, part of America that was like, uh, why are y'all in my town kind of thing? I mean, I, I, I you know, I, 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 it exists. I don't Maybe they never booked you guys in there, but I'll tell you right now, it exists. I've seen it. Yeah. Um, I would probably say the, the closest thing to that would probably be at like a uh, maybe uh, what can I say um, uh, maybe a fair or you know some type of event where you have you know from kids to the elderly you know what I mean and there's different things going on and one of the features might be you know uh bands and they might have like you know rock bands on the bill and snoop dogg you know what i mean yeah 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 so yeah so and then you know some of these people might have heard of snoop dogg before but not really knows who snoop dogg is and then you know seeing their reactions when you know when snoop does his lyrics (laughs) you know what i mean and and you get these like especially the older crowd you know like wanting to see snoop dogg and uh, so you get a lot of them like, whoa, you know what I mean? But basically, for the most part, man, they love it. They don't they look past all what about what he's talking about just because Snoop is an icon. Yeah. You know, he he can uh, he can basically uh, entertain a, a kid to an 80 year old, you know what yeah. I mean? And have yeah. conversation for him. So they I think they look past all that and they just have a good time. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. That's that's awesome. That's great that you. It's all about love, and I. I it seems to me that whenever people love what they do, 
it, there's a uh, and I don't want to say aura or um, you know vibration and get too like all hippie sounding or nothing with everything you know though I do like that stuff um, but uh, there's when people are on point and happy it rubs off man oh, yeah. you know yep definitely definitely so I, I think that that's that's probably what made people go oh I don't even care that he's got that what is that kind of cigarette in his hand? What is that little cigarette? Like a little old lady, exactly. you know? They don't even trip off of the, the funny cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, man. So now let's let's um let's talk about uh, have you uh, have you ever played the the Playboy Mansion? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to be up at the Playboy Mansion on um, several occasions. He's smiling real big right now. You can't see this. This is not a video interview. But he is smiling. Nice, nice home. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I admired the rock formation structures. The grotto. The grotto. <laughs> we'll leave it at that on, on, on that. I don't want to get you in trouble. But um, <laughs> so that's cool. Um, let's see here. So what about uh, have? how do you um, how have you ever had any kind of gear malfunction while doing a big show? Because that is something that I think uh, you show your professionalism by how you deal with problems, you know. And have you ever ha- encountered any strange problems? And what were they? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that just comes with the territory, you know, technical difficulty. So you really can't get mad. But... You know, we've had power outages, you know, that's probably the most common thing. You're in the middle of a set and then the power goes out. Um, Yeah, amps or the power could be the power to my rig, you know what I mean? My turntables or the instant replay machine or, uh, you know, my hard drive that my Serato was hooked up to and all the music was on there. So I had to reboot, you know, Um, so that's you know basically what it would be um just kind of like normal you know what i mean normal stuff that would happen to any any band or any group so what would you say to any advice to people out there that are dj maybe like some of these younger guys that are uh, that are that are going i mean um would you uh how would you say recommend people keep their composure uh when when they face uh, an issue like that well <clears throat> there's a guy there or a group of guys that are getting paid to handle problems like that so just let them do their job you know what i mean and sit back and when they say things are good then just do your job you know right right that's if you're on tour <laughs> right that is not if you were at a club and your first time at a club <laughs> yeah yeah it's a little bit different but uh that's when your dj uh upbringing comes into play you know what i mean the little different tricks and little things to that that you should know when things happen like that yeah, i mean i've, I've kind of uh the technology going the way it is and stuff i mean I, i'm all about just obviously staying up with technology and that's how i met you but uh it's uh it's there's a lot of controllers in the market now you know what i mean and it's really cool you can do a lot with a little now you know um and uh you know i think one of the problems is people don't understand how to run sound anymore you know there's they don't have to know there's not a signal going into channel one going into channel two and then going out of the mixer it's just the output from their controller and i think that that leads to problems so you get a kid in the club and something happens the pioneer mixer shuts down he doesn't even know that the power cord disconnects from it because all he has is like usb you know right right yeah yeah, yeah. I get you. so would you think that uh uh how 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 much traditional djing since you you know you you are one that has transformed uh, DJing itself, starting off with an unconventional way. I mean, using a drum machine—that's unconventional uh, from the back for back then, you know. So, are you more accepting of the new technology? Because we do, we do get a lot of the, the. There's a lot of veteran DJs that hate on new kids coming up, but they really don't have a choice anymore to buy turntables. Hardly, they didn't. Now they're starting to come back out, but. Yeah, I mean. To me, like, this is like a whole new world opening up, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it gets boring doing the same thing for 20 years, like, you know what I mean? Like, what if everything sounded saying like this first rap group, like, what if all the, these rappers sounded like Run DMC? This would yeah. be a boring rap industry, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's how, that's, that's kind of like how I look at it, you know? 
So you welcome technology and you welcome the new kids that are coming up because they're going to come up with ideas and stuff. So there's room for everyone in the business. Definitely. I want I want to see new things, you know what I mean, develop. It makes it bigger, it makes it better. It gets, you know, that might be the thing that gets other kids interested in even doing it. Um, you know, in, in the combination of things be just because it's grown so big and it has so many different aspects, you know, equipment and techniques now. So I think more more and more people will be involved in the future. Very cool. Very cool. So um, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, go to the uh, Up in Smoke tour. Uh, well, let me see here. I think I'm skipping over a lot of stuff. I know I'm skipping over a lot of stuff. So you're just doing touring with Snoop Dogg. What came next after Snoop Dogg, after his touring with Snoop? Like just with with his tour after the breakup of you know Death Row kind of the first part. Um, what you mean? What happened? Or like, what, what do you what what goes on next? Are you touring with Snoop? What happens next? Where 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 uh, where do you go? Like uh, with uh, are you on tour with Snoop? When, when did Pac come into play? Did you have to go out on tour with him? Did they divide you up? Were they on tour together all the time? No, I mean Pac was but the before Death Row breakup. You know what I mean? Um, you know he passed, and that incident happened before the breakup. Um, you know, and all that was really went down and to where they were separated and really doing their own thing. So um, <clears throat> when after the breakup, it was just me being with Snoop on the side of Snoop and the dog pound, Warren G, um, going out with Warren sometimes um, also um, on the road. Then you have the East Siders, um, which uh, Snoop uh, formed a crew called the East Siders. So I DJ for them. Um, he formed another group called Doggies Angels. Um, so I, de- I was the DJ for them, too. Um, also, uh, they did the 213 crew. Um, Snoop, Warren, and Nate Dog, and I DJ for them, too. So there was a lot of other things going on that kept us busy, you know, from one project to the next. That's awesome. How cool was Nate Dog? Got to tell me some Nate Dog stories, man, because we miss him. <laughs> Nate Dog was cool, man. Real laid back, dope voice. He was the hook master, basically. You know, um, he made the song hot. Kind of like um, T Pain was for a minute, right? Yeah, he was the original uh, T Pain. Yeah, but that was just all natural, right? That was all natural. All natural. Nice, man. Any cool stories from him? Did he do anything like super cool, or is he just fun? Or he was just always funny. Um, you know, always talking, you know, about people or bagging with the crew. Yeah. So, you know, that's... Did you guys ever play any pranks on each other on the road? Oh, always. It was just, you know, like I said, everybody would be bagging on each other. It's just yeah. like family, like you would yeah. bag on your brother or sister. So that's how it was. Anyone do anything like that stood out like super funny? Anybody like do any buckets of water or anything like that? Give me one, one story. Anything crazy? I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff, but... I can't mention the crazy stuff right here. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Anything less crazy? Anything, anything that you can picture. Just picture a bunch of guys being on the road, going around the world, like kids in a candy store, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. Getting into stuff. And we didn't know. We were young. Did you ever have <laughs> Did you ever have any unruly groupies? Just like, like hey, calm down, you ratchet thing. All the time. Yeah, did you ever have to like tell people like kick people out and like? Oh yeah, security yeah, and stuff. Security to come get girls out of the rooms and stuff like that. Wow, they didn't want to leave or they weren't even they're supposed to be there in the first place. Right, exactly. That's crazy. That's nuts, man. So, uh, <laughs> wow. Um, what was your most fun touring experience uh, as you DJed for rappers? You mean my most memorable? Yeah, most memorable. Up and Smoke Tour. Up and Smoke Tour? Yes! I'm glad he said that because that's my that's my favorite only because I got to watch it a billion times. A billion times. Really good production. Um, Dre's really, um, you know, critical when it comes to, you know, putting shows together and he wants everything to be just right. Everything to be choreographed and to tell a story. And that's how our concerts were. You look at the, the Up and Smoke tour. That's and a perfect example of what I'm talking about. If you watch that concert from beginning to end, it's a story. You see how the theatrics. You see the lowriders come out. You'll see the skull 
come out of the air and start talking you know what i mean like come on man like nobody does all that but dre this is his stock this is you know his creation and that's just how he is it's just like he creates in the studio and how he puts things together in the studio musically is what he does on the stage also how was it to watch his process of uh, of uh of of well first of all i'm gonna i'm gonna stick to the up and smoke tour because i gotta close this one out with this question because he told me this in a small conversation too that i would like you to elaborate on so while the smoke and skulls are going on and you know it's it's super awesome and the ambience is coming by and and, and all the stages are changing and all these things are getting triggered how you were the guy you were one of the guys right yeah, I mean, <clears throat> everything you heard come out those speakers from sound effects to the music to the skull talking um, was all triggered by me, basically. Had, That's wild. I had two turntables. I had two dual mini disc players and I had two instant replay machines. An instant replay machine. Tell everybody what an instant replay machine is. I know what these are only because uh, <clears throat> when rappers would come to town in my little hometown, they would always have the box too. Now, I know what it is, but tell and, and when I worked in radio, then I actually got to go hands-on with it, you know, because we actually had one for the phone calls. Yeah. But go ahead and tell people what, they, what, it, what the instant replay machine is. It's basically a, a hard, uh, hard disk recorder. Um, uh, handles all, you know, music, sound effects, or whatever, and you can trigger them with sample pads. Um, and it was just a really good way for nothing to happen. You didn't have any tape to deal with. You know, before that, I think people were performing off of DATs. Um, and, you know, the DAT machine could have a problem or the heads could be dirty. You get digital noise with the DAT. So, you know, it's still today, I think um, they're still using instant replays a lot. And, you know, just because of the rich, big sound. Um, that comes out of them also. So um, they use them in radio to record callers call, calling in, and they're really easy to edit. Um, and you can edit and then put it right back on the air really quick. So, yeah, really good, cool machine. They're overpriced as shit, though. Like, at least when I looked at them, man, God. Yeah, I think, I mean, in today's world, there's a lot of things that are cheaper that can do what that does. But <laughs> back then, this was like the original, you know. So. Like, like $10,000 for some of them? Yeah, yeah. My whole thing was, you know, I used to go to 360 Systems. That's the company that makes them. And I would go sit and talk to them sometime about um, technology. And I had told them, I'm like, man, you know, you guys could even sell more of these if you guys put a pitch control on it, you know? Mm -hmm. And because a lot of people like to perform their music a little bit faster than the original, just like if you were with a band, you know what I mean? You're always going a little faster. So with the Up and Smoke Tour, um, I'm the one who bought the, uh, the mini disc, dual mini disc players to into the game and told Dre that these have a pitch control. And he loved it. So Denon, shouts out to Denon, because uh, they actually sent, I bought one and they sent me two other ones. So I had three, basically, to use. And um, yeah, they were triggered. You know, I had little buttons to, to trigger and it was a mini disc and I could speed it up or slow it down. And, you know, all or most, well, all, all the songs that we did on Up and Smoke were a little faster than the original. So Awesome. Awesome. What is Eminem like? Uh, he's cool. <laughs> real cool um i really can't i mean you know from what i what i've been with him and being on the road with him he's a real cool guy uh, i've never seen him you know crazy or any bad negative stuff so yeah. awesome that's cool man that's really cool uh, and uh what was it like uh how was the mood for them to reunite and get like you know like cube back touring with dre i mean what was that was it really cool to see that kind of oh yeah definitely um just because cube you know kind of went to the right from doing music and he went into doing music movies and film so um he really wasn't around and reachable um you know for dre 
So I know I'd be around Dre at certain times and Q would come through, you know what I mean, just to link up and just to chat about, you know, what each other's doing type of thing. Um, and then eventually, you know, as time went on and on and on, um, they came back together um, and did the NWA thing and um, and all that. So that was really cool to yeah, get to see them back. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So <clears throat> gotta got to ask you. Since you were close, I don't want to get you in trouble, so I don't want you to, 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 but will we, will we see a detox one day? I have no idea. That's the honest answer. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. And I'd say that's a pretty good source right there. I don't even know. I've been waiting myself. Wow, wow, that's awesome. What are some of the new rappers or new singers that you, are there any that you actually like? And do you think that uh, things are watered down now compared to back then? We talked about how the mood of the country helps spawn the new music that comes up. And I think it was the same even back in like the Vietnam era. You know, the music reflected what was going on in society. Do you think we don't really have that too much anymore? And do you think it's watered down a lot? Well, I think it, it just shifted a little bit. I think like if you look at the at Dre and Snoop era and the chronic and all that, there was a lot of turmoil, like not world worldly turmoil. It was our community turmoil, something that was happening on our own soil. Um, today, um, you know, you still see things happen like uh, the Ferguson thing and the Miami kill uh, Trayvon Martin and things like that. Um, and you'll see certain artists do a song about it here or there, but there hasn't been that movement. Um, you know, right now songs are trendy because it's not about worldly or a community movement type of atmosphere it's more party have fun type of atmosphere which you know was one of the reasons I, I believe it shifted the music shifted how everything started on the east coast and then it went to the west coast when the chronic came out but then I think you know because it was so much turmoil and you know there was a a negative dark side to that also about you know the from the riots and all that so and a lot of violence so i think um that also affected the west coast as a whole too because the media start started shutting things down you know what i mean and giving it a negative look and at that point things shifted from the west coast and went down south and if you look at the down at the South mentality, it's all about partying. They have a good time. If you go out to clubs out there, they could be packed. And if you were walking across the room and you stepped on somebody's foot, your shoe, you know, it's fine. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, man, sorry. You know, you want a drink here, man? Like that. Yeah. Um, so it's more partying. So that's why you hear things not as serious. You know what I mean? Things are... Uh, and some people that are your hardcore rappers or whatever, the hardcore hip hop guys might not be, you know, like that just because it's what they're talking about. It's more of a, you know what I mean? Party. Let's just, you know what I mean? It's, it's not, not serious. Serious. You know what I mean? Which I think the industry needed to change. That's why it's always room for difference and, and change in different things to have different aspects because everything can't be dark. Everything can't be negative. You know what I mean? There's got to be a balance. So I love when something new or something sounds new um, comes out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm all for it because I, I, I want different fruits to grow, you know? Right, right. Awesome. So what's some of your favorite uh, songs that are uh, out right now? That's, uh, or favorite artists? We'll not even do songs because I, I know how that is. I hate when people ask me that. I play a million songs to people all the time. And when they say narrow down to one song or, hey, what's your favorite artist? I'm like, I don't know. Everything is cool. So what, what, what do you... It's hard for me, too, just because I, 
I get so much music and I download so much music when, you know, I hate when people are like, what's your favorite song right now? It's like, man, I can't even, my brain doesn't even, I can't even, yeah, I can't even. It's the Mac wheel, the Mac wheel that spins when it's. That's exactly what happens when people ask me that question, that wheel just spins (laughs) and no answer, you know what I mean? Like, um, I get a lot of stuff, man. Um, Who's killing it though? I feel, you know, bad if I mention one name and don't mention another name and it's like, oh, you know. Yeah. But, but I mean, some of the stuff that I'm, that I like, uh, uh, Big Sean's killing it right now, but he's been there out there. You're talking about newer artists. I would say Young Thug. Um, he's basically been on almost everybody's stuff right now. Um, he's from the South. Um, he has a very distinct voice, um, very distinct voice, and I think that's why he's being featured on a lot of people's songs right now. Um, he really stands out. Um, he's probably the guy that's getting most play on most music. Um, you have another guy named O.T. Genesis that Buster Rhymes just put on. He has a song called Coco, and that's probably like... The hottest songs in the club, uh, the hottest song in the clubs right now. Do you like that song? Oh, I, I can't help but not move when that song comes on. You know what I mean? It's just one of those songs that come in and just makes your body. Just like I said, some of this music, man, it really affects people. And if you don't have the right mentality set, it could really uh, persuade people to do certain things. You know what I mean? And I'm a, I'm a real believer of that. Um, you know, I'm not a violent person, but I catch myself, you know, singing the lyrics to a violent song and be like, well, wait a minute. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you know, Lil John's like early shit, the crunk day, like the right. like Lil John East Side Boys, Lil John, like right. that Lil John. Right. Like that shit, you like you is in a car is mad, you know, but like in a, in a happy mad, it's weird. Yeah, right. And it's like, man, some of the stuff is like drive by music, you know what I mean? Yeah. The wrong person listened to this and they just, you know, uh, being the right and wrong mentality or mind state, it could be dangerous. Yeah, definitely. So, so OT Genesis, Young Thug, and uh, Big Sean, some of the top top artists out in your opinion. That's cool. Any uh, um, now? Okay. Well I, well, I would say yeah. From uh, I would say from the South perspective, uh, out here in the West, we have a, a really good West Coast movement. Um, you know, within the past few years, and it's grown bigger and bigger. So we have a lot of emerging artists out here from your Kendrick Lamars, and it just came out and lyrically was killing everybody. Um, but um, you you have a, a a whole West Coast movement right now that's really strong. Um, uh, Problem, uh, Sage the Gemini, uh, I Am Sue, HBK Gang. Uh, Gosh, uh, I don't see. That's what I'm saying. I want to. Oh yeah, on the West Coast. Well, see, I like that, that you talked about the down south because that's cool. That that's that's cool. Cause now now you're on the West Coast, so people are gonna hit you up now on Twitter and be like, "Yo, you didn't mention me on the podcast." Tom Kennedy, Nipsey Hussle. Uh oh, got a uh, <laughs> name. Name some more. Uh, Mitchie Slick. Uh, uh, man. Yeah, see, I, I on the spot I'll be here for it. Yeah, I'd be here for a minute. But basically, we have a West Coast have we we have our own sound right now, and a, and a movement of a sound that's going down. So um, you know, we're we're back on on the scene definitely. Always love to the West Coast artists. Definitely, definitely. Awesome. So, what would somebody have to do if they wanted you to play their song? Is there an email that you, someone you would recommend somebody send the email to you? Do you want new songs from independent artists, or do you have too much going on? I mean, anyone listens to this and they're just like, "Dude, I can't believe this. How could I reach out to him?" Um, basically, hit me up on my social networks. I'm always looking, you know, to hear new music. Um, so, Twitter? Are you on Twitter? Twitter, um, DJ Jam DPG. Facebook, DJ Jam DPG, Instagram, same thing. Um, website, djjam.com. And uh, those are the keys to my house. <laughs> awesome. So hit him up on social media if you are an up and coming rapper, producer. Send it his way. He's one of the coolest down to earth people uh, I, I've uh, ever met. And it's really cool because, you know, uh, you know, I never thought I'd ever be here in this situation. So it was really cool to, to thanks for doing the interview. I'm not quite done yet. Almost done. 
we're waiting on a download and I don't think that downloads I think we got plenty of time on that download but I think something's going on with the internet we're gonna rectify that problem here in a second but I got a couple more questions for you so I hope you, you you're not too tired y'all right no I'm good I'm good all right awesome so um so we uh we talked about um the new music that's out there and everything uh what about uh <clears throat> what about like EDM how do you feel about EDM now because a lot of these guys are making what they call trap and it's funny because when I heard trap or hear trap I think of TI and I think of like the southern music that came out that was real to me real trap music you know now trap has completely gotten hijacked and evolved to uh, an electronic music style uh, that's kind of got a lot of pull from the down south stuff so what do you think of electronic music kind of taking from hip-hop i think it's good like i said it's another branch of music um especially if it stems off of you know hip-hop and uh so i'm all for it and it's a different way a different technique of use of sounds if you listen to the edm movements um there are two different types of trap music um, there's your regular trap, and then there's, I call it trap house or trap EDM, and that's the one where you hear the electronic, you know, sound emphasis. But um, but I really think it's dope because basically what they're doing is they're taking the original trap beats and twisting them up um, with those big room sounds, uh, which is, you know, really cool. And it went actually from dubstep, I would say, because that was before the trap movement. Um, dubstep was I would say the first time they really took hip hop uh, a big influence hip hop influence and mixed it with the electronic movement and it started with the dubstep and then it went from that from them using like the down south beats and calling it trap EDM and then they took it one step further which it went up in BPMs to 100 beats per minute to like 105, 106, and they called it twerk. So that's basically taking those up-tempo, not up-tempo EDM records, but up-tempo hip-hop beats um, and twisting it also, and that's how twerk came about. And Miley. Oh yeah, my Miley Miley Cyrus with her tongue <laughs> <laughs> and, her, and her and her twerking butt, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, all right. So you've performed in thousands of clubs, thousands of venues, and everything. So, what do you you prefer better? Smaller club experiences, or do you prefer big uh, big concerts? I guess there's three. Or do you prefer festivals? Because you do perform in festivals as, hey, I'm a DJ. You perform in concert is in the background, kind of, because you are a DJ for the main performers. Everybody's eyes, you know, they're always locked on the main uh, perform- performers. And uh, um, then you got uh, the intimate club settings, of which you could probably do both, but you're definitely easier to see when you're in a small club. I like a combination of all of them. Like I said, I don't get bored in just one one area. And that's another thing about me as far as being a DJ. I'm multifaceted. I didn't just stay in one lane. Um, you know, I'm that dude that, that can go to a club and rock a club. Um, I can go to the radio station and rock radio because there is a difference. Just because you're a big club DJ does not mean you're going to sound good on the air. There's a different type of technique that's used on the air than what you're going to be doing at the club. So, And then the third dimension is, is the dimension of being on stage in front of, <clears throat> in front of thousands of people in a festival or uh, in concert backing up an artist. So that's even a different type of energy. And I feed off of all of them. Um, it's good to be in an intimate setting because you feel the energy right there. But if you're in a bigger spot and there's a lot of people, you feel definitely feel that energy also. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Did you ever? You know, I talk to some band people and stuff, and sometimes like they, they you know, I talk to some drummers, and they're always like. Yeah, we're the last guys to leave the stage. We got to pack up our equipment. You know what I'm saying? Everybody else gets the girls and they jump off the stage. They're done. You know, you got to meet up with them. Yeah, and yeah, me too. It's like, uh, <laughs> but not always. Let me take that back, you know, because when, you know, I'm with Snoop, we have our tech guys. So basically, they leave first, but I'm kind of like right behind them. I don't have to pack up 
my turntables and all that. I just take my laptop and I'm out. And I have a tech that sets up my equipment every day for me, knows exactly how I want my stuff. And I walk out on that stage. My stuff is ready, set up, you know, ready to go. And we, we're hitting, you know what I mean? Yeah. They show up bef- to the concert before we do and have it all set up. We usually do a sound check, um, you know, usually at the beginning of the tours. So they'll know all the levels and get all that straight. And then basically we show up and hit the stage and we leave and then they pack it all down you know man we needed that I, I, there was a time it was this was when i knew that i could exist outside of my hometown i uh, toured a very small like tour one summer i was uh, uh asked to to go on the road with a little independent uh, hip-hop artist his name was casper from the k he's a cool white dude rapper and he's awesome still a friend of mine to this day i wish he made it bigger than than he did but um it was so fun because we got to go to all these towns and the people who ran his small uh uh, record company he was signed to they came from Warner Brothers in their background so I went under their, their place and I see all these plaques on the wall from Warner Brothers so there was a few people that were established in the industry so they had connections enough to kind of and money enough to kind of get him going a bit and just didn't quite catch where where it should have but that was my first experience on a tour I was the they we had no uh, we had radio play which is dope People were expecting to see you when you went to town, you know, like, so you turn to get to this, to the town, you turn it on, your shit's on the radio. So exciting. Not, I wasn't part of the making the music, but I was DJing for him. So exciting. He'd do the interviews and stuff, but I was the last guy off the stage and I, I didn't have a roadie. And uh, God dang, man, here you are. I got like this, these, uh, you know, road cases of shit. You know, you have no game when you have road cases of shit and you're hobbling off the stage. Well, I mean, nah, I can't say that because. I didn't. I didn't. I have my road case, and at the end of the day, it's about the DJ. Because. (laughs) 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 At the DJ, believe me. Well, uh, well, I'm married now, so that's that's that that's not something I seek anymore. But, but that was definitely one of my biggest things. I didn't know, I didn't quite ever met, figure out how to manage that 100 percent and just get out there as fast as them because they were all out. And then it was just like, boy, the hype man and the rapper. His name, his name is Rakim, and it, man, they would just get it, man. It was it was awesome. Uh, so when I started DJing, uh, one of my mentors, because I, I uh, had somebody I ran into, and uh, he's still a good friend of mine, um, but I ran into him at this little hobby shop I worked at because we sold records upstairs, and um, there, uh, uh, it was called The Book Broker, it was a cool place, and the, the, uh, this guy was up there looking at records, and anybody who didn't look like my dad's age that was looking at records, I was like, dude, are you... Are you a DJ? Because I had just got my turntables thanks to my brother and my mom for Christmas, uh, and uh, I, I was I was uh, eating it up. Anything I could do, you know, I was just trying to get a hold of so much stuff. And we always had old records upstairs, so people who would go up there maybe could produce too, which I didn't know how to do. So I'd ask him, "Hey, man, do you, do you are you a DJ?" And I, I found out that he this guy was. I, he was like, "Yeah, DJ," and he had like somebody that sang with him, you know, there. I was like, "Cool." So I linked up with him big influence in my life awesome he was a he liked to do tricks and stuff you know and uh, and I still get in, in, in contact with him but I the reason I bring him up man is uh, is he was the guy I shadowed you know coming up when I was a kid and uh, helped bring me into the game and tell me what to do because I didn't really know what to do I just had two turntables and I was making noise you know with as many records as I could buy but his name is uh, Mixmaster Jones Capone. Could you give him a shout out for me, man? Just because I, he, I, I don't think he thinks that I could pull this off. And I, if you could just say what up to Mixmaster Jones Capone, that would make me the happiest guy in the world. And he'd probably just roll around on the floor dying, like he would yell out loud. What's up? This is DJ Jam, all the way live from the West Side. Shout out to my man, Mixmaster Jones Capone. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, a that's an OG name. I like that. Yeah, he's been doing it for a long time, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's here with me, documenting this uh, part of history. So uh, your man d- did his thing. Awesome, man! Thanks so much for that shout out. Shout out to my hometown people. I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Shout out to my new West Coast family because that's amazing, and I love it out here in San Diego. Shout out to Chloe, Chloe the Chloe dog, Carnashian. <laughs> He's got the yeah. best Chihuahua. Maybe I'll put I'll put her on the show blog uh, photos because yeah. uh, I always have accompanying photos with that. I'll do that. And um, I do want to. We just talked about your dog. One last thing, animals. 
you are a huge animal lover and you have exotic animals, right? Yeah, I've raised uh, three monkeys, three pigs, um, two huge African tortoises, um, and uh, aquatic turtle and fish habitat, and extra large hermit crabs. <laughs> now, what's the, the tortoise's name? Because you still have them, and I met them. Biggie and Pac. That's awesome. They are. I need it. I need them. I need to put them on the show blog too. But uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, what about the pig? Shantae. Shantae. After uh, Roxanne Shantae, the rapper. Awesome, awesome. Can you teach pigs tricks? Oh, real in one day. She has. She knows how to do a lot of tricks. That's cool. They're smart, huh? Very smart. Very smart. Awesome. What's the coolest animal that you owned? Like, what was the most like? Wow, I can't believe I own this. Probably the monkeys. Are those crazy? How is it to? How is it to raise a monkey? It's like a little kid. We put <laughs> put diapers on it and everything. Yeah. Yeah. You guys can check that out too uh, at djjam.com. Just hit the photo gallery and video gallery, and you'll see Jam's animals, and you'll see all my uh, exotics there. That's so cool, man. How does uh, how did you get when? What made you start collecting exotic animals? Like when did you first get one? I mean, I've been an animal person ever since I was a little kid. I would always bring home lizards and all kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, as I grew up and I guess, you know, when I started going on the road with Snoop is when I really got into exotics. I could afford, you know, afford some of these things that I've always wanted. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, my whole life has been basically music and animals, and that's why I basically uh, started my foundation called the, the Community Hands Network. Um, one pro, it has two programs. One is called the United DJ Mentor Academy, where I'm, um, I'll be teaching junior high and high school kids at their schools in the classroom setting, all about DJing, the art, and the business side. And then uh, the second program is called the Animal Habitat and Petting Zoo in Petting Zoo of San Diego, which is an animal slash environmental outreach program that's going to be a, featuring a petting zoo and an indoor facility to teach kids to the elderly about animals and care and training and all that so wow that's awesome cool so animals and music your biggest loves in life definitely definitely awesome now also really cool to me your son makes music tell us about your son yep khalil nash singer songwriter you can look him up also um, man, he's um, very uh, excited and very proud of what he's he's done over the years. Um, very into, very much into music. Um, guitarist. He's writing his own songs. He's making his own music. And um, yeah, you'll hear more about him definitely. That is so cool, and I can't wait for uh, more of his projects to happen. He's performing around San Diego, so if you see him, catch him live. He's awesome, and uh, of course, if DJ Jam's ever performing, you got to go check it out, too. Right now, currently, we're doing uh, the uh, R&B Lounge, right? Yep, yep. R&B Lounge every Wednesday at the Grand in El Cajon, California. Yeah, and that's super fun. Lots of live entertainers, and you can actually see me interviewing some of these people uh, every week. Uh, it's been a fun time. I just joined on. This is like part two of the R&B Lounge because you did it, and I, I didn't really get to uh, to be a part of that. And then now, after the winter break, I it's restarted, and we got we got a lot of cool stuff going. Definitely, definitely. Here we go. Awesome. Thanks so much, DJ Jam. And uh, did you want to say anything else to anybody out there listening that we didn't cover? Uh, shoot well just thanks for listening to to what I had to say today or this evening and uh, make sure you go check out that website djjam.com to even find out more about me and what I've done and what I'm doing that's right thanks for listening thank you so much for the interview DJ Jam I appreciate you so much my name is Raji Rabbit you're listening to the Raji Rabbit and Friends podcast you can check the show notes which will have some cool pictures of the animals and everything else uh, at RajiRabbit.com subscribe on iTunes appreciate it if you like the show give us feedback hashtag RRAF for Raji Rabbit and Friends on Twitter we'll see you guys next time we're out <laughs>